Hi, welcome to episode number 181 of the Apple Off Podcast. I am your host, Simon Hitt. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp.com. Get affordable private online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online, and you can get your seven-day free trial with the code APOLOG by going to BetterHelp.com slash APOLOG. Get therapied up, everybody. Seasonal depression is a serious thing. Everybody kind of goes through it. If you need some help, it is the best way to do it because it's, it's private and it's cheap. You're helping yourself out. Okay, so go there. I'd like to thank my Amazon shopper friends for going to applelog.ca slash Amazon to shop on Amazon. It's a direct, a redirect. Or you can go to applelog.ca slash US Amazon. Do it the old-fashioned way, too, by going to applelog.ca and click on those banners located on the right side. Locate your country, whether you're from Canada, the United States, or the UK. Bookmark all those links, and every time you shop on Amazon, use those links to shop and support the show. It costs you no extra money. If you want to help the show out on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash and pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. You can cancel at any time. Buy a t-shirt by going to applelog.ca slash shop, and you can buy some music there too as well. If you're on iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show, and give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash and follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. My guest today, well, tonight, actually, because the show is coming out a little bit late, is Duncan Morgan. Duncan is the technical director at Harborfront. You know, the actual title of his is the manager of technical production at Harborfront Center. And he's really caught up on uh, 3D printing, which I think is really, really pretty excellent and call. He came over, too. Came over to the house and did something in my basement and uh, because I'm making him a comfort monitor. Uh, if any, if you're in the if you're in the theater, you know what that means. So go look it up, comfort monitor. So everybody, here he is, my friend Duncan Morgan on the Apolog podcast. All right, okay. recording. Excellent. I was thinking that I've only known you for like three years. It has been three years, yeah. Like, because the first time I came to LAC was I had just been laid off from York. Right. And I was looking for gigs. Yep. And I came in as a monitor guy, and I didn't know who you were. And it yeah. turns out we know like everybody, half of Canada together. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the nature of the beast, right? I know. It's, it's... a very small country, very small industry, but yeah. still, I mean... To, to not meet you after all these years, knowing that you had been like, you know, worked with TLE. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> Everyone. But the thing, the thing is like, I, I do the rare stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do, I've been doing theater for years. Yeah. I haven't been in the rock and roll scene much at all. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's probably it because yeah. I worked a lot in the rock side and then you were in theater and we'd partly cross paths. But you know who I just worked with? You probably knew him uh, when he worked, played bass with TL is Greg Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just came out with Lowest of the Low. Oh, right, 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 right. he's their bass player now. So I, oh, I cool. was hanging with him last month. Yeah, we've we've definitely crossed oars, you know. It's, it's, it's I call it gig simers, right? I'm sure yeah. I've worked with people and... Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So where did you where did you grow up? I grew up in Ottawa. Yeah. I was born in the UK. Okay, In Lincoln. Too. Yeah, whereabouts? 
Portsmouth. Okay, I was, I was Lincoln. Yeah. My father was in the RAF, and uh, we ended up in North Wales in Anglesey, mm-hmm. and then moved to Ottawa. Yeah. Oh, so you moved, <clears throat> immigrated? Yeah. 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 My father, my father went over to Canada to learn to fly, because he, he's a test pilot. Really? And he fell in love with Canada, so we just went over. Yeah. And he, so what did he what did he test pilot? What was he? Uh, he ended up at the National Research Council. Yeah. In Ottawa. Yeah. Doing T thirty threes and Harvards, and he he was part of a team that started designing the controlling device for the space arm. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And even though it's unofficial, uh, he's pretty much I'm pretty sure he was the first guy to fly a helicopter one handed. Because that's okay. how they that's how they tested it. Oh wow 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 wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So you're. So was it an army thing, like where like no, most army kids sort of move around? But you just went to Ottawa and you stayed. There. Just went to Ottawa and stayed there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, because yeah. he was out. He's out of the forces at that point. Okay, he's yeah, flying yeah. with Air Transat, which was basically the first version of the Dash Eight, the short takeoff plane. Okay, you know, out of Rockcliffe of all places. It's one of those things, you know. I like. God, I wish I had enough time to do stuff like that. Completely to learn. Just yeah. how to learn how to fly. I mean, we get the simulators, we have all the other things, but yeah. God damn, it'd be so cool to actually. It it is cool, but you know, I mean, he, he, my father and I had a really rocky relationship, um, yeah. and didn't talk for the last ten years, twelve years. Really, him being around, yeah. But um, he was a weekend father. My parents were divorced when I was ten. Right. So he was a weekend father, but he was a test pilot and a working freelancing test pilot. Mm-hmm. So every weekend was some sort of air show. Okay. Whereas you're a kid, you think this is fantastic, but yeah. eventually you bore of it. It's like, oh, I've seen it, seen it, seen it. <laughs> you know? But it's it, it was an exciting life. I'm, I don't take it for granted. Yeah, absolutely. So, did you ever play music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you still play, right? Obviously, I do. I yeah. do. I've calmed down. I used to play you know a bunch of rock and roll side players and stuff like that. Yeah. What you was know? your main instrument? A guitar. Guitar, but I can play everything. I'm one of those, yeah, you know, not not to blow my own jack harness. of all, but master yeah. none. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But um, a guitar. My father was a guitar builder. Yeah. So we've been all three brothers play. Yeah. Type thing, you know. And it's I pretty to, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I buy everything. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I haven't heard that one. Ooh, I haven't heard that. And I ended up with a collection of twenty or thirty. Oh, really? Stupid. I had to stop. I stopped at six. I was at seven, and I dropped down to six. Right. Because I, I had a I had I had a melody maker I got it for two hundred bucks nice. at a pawn shop nice and I bought it for two hundred bucks and then I had to go to Europe to play a show and <laughs> my wife said you can't use your money you have to sell something to go to Europe and I like that's a fair yep fair thing to say yep. and I sold the melody maker for four times five times more than I bought it for of course and I would love to get it back but then yeah oh yeah yeah it's classic but you're in Europe. I know. Did Without that find, guitar, though. Did you find other guitars? No, like... there was. I was in Europe, and I have a Gretsch Silverjet um, nice. here. And I found one that was four numbers off the serial number of mine. What? It was literally the same guitar. Oh, it was yeah. the Silverjet. It had the same. Because mine came custom ordered because Brent Belke. I bought mine off of Brent Belke, who okay. was in the Wheat Chiefs. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it came with an arch top, and they usually came with Bigsby's. Yes. So I, I, I bought his guitar, and he custom ordered it. And I go in Germany, I go, that looks exactly like my guitar. It had the same arch top. Yeah. It didn't have a Bigsby. So I look at the serial number, and I just remembered it and get all the way back to where we were playing. And I looked at mine, and I'm like, oh, my God. It was like four digits off. Oh, my God. That's insane. It would have been built the same week. That's know? insane. Insane, yeah. Yeah, my, my star catch I ever got, I'd have two. One was I was 13 in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia with my father mm-hmm. on an air show thing. And I walked into a pawn shop, and there was this brown beat-up, Gibson SG mm-hmm. with about five different layers of pick guards. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's just the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was 250 bucks. Yeah. Right. So I said, 
dad, please, this is my Christmas gift. I'll take it. And I bought it. And it ended up being like a 56 or 50. (laughs) I sold it for three grand many years later type thing. But it it played like a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Those old SG necks just. Yes. You know? I once was in Portsmouth or Port. Port uh, Portland, uh, in Oregon, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I saw a '50s bass, like a P bass, and I'm looking at this thing and it's beat the shit, and I play and I go, oh my god, this bass plays so good. Yeah, it was eight hundred dollars. Oh my god, and I had nine hundred dollars in my pocket <laughs> for like the whole tour, and I really thought, you know, like I will live off of potato chip sandwiches and I won't eat and I'll have yeah. no money to buy this bass. Absolutely. And my our friend who was on tour with us, Rob, he's like, do you want or need this? I'm like, I feel like I need it, but I probably just want it. Yeah. And it was the best advice. Yeah, like, totally. Those totally. headphones fucking yeah. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I'm like, I'm like, that's the best advice I got yeah. ever. Because I'm like, I didn't buy it, but I regret, but I played it. I still remember what it played like. Well, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. My other my other great find was uh, a friend of mine, Derek Bruce, his godfather had an Alaskan custom made for himself in seventy eight and great Alaskan who lives downtown. Toronto yeah. made all of Stan Rogers guitars. And wow. Stan's a huge, he changed my life, as, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, it was up for, I think it was four grand, three grand, three grand. <laughs> and my wife, of all people, said, you need to own this guitar. Wow. Yeah, and so I was told to, <coughs> excuse me, I was told to audition for it. So mm-hmm. I sat down in front of, I can't remember the guy's name, but audition. He's like, yeah, okay, you can buy it. Wow. Yeah. And my wife pitched in money, helped me buy it, That's- and then I got rid of practically all my guitars. Oh, okay, because yeah. that was the one. That was the one. It's the one. It's my main squeeze now. Problem with like owning a lot of guitars is they stay in cases and they they retain their value. But if you don't play them, what's the point? No, and Why that was that was my Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Like I w- I would wake up Sunday morning, make my tea, watch Time Team, and if you ever seen Time Team, it's a super geeky history thing. Um, and then I'd go through every guitar. Really? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like the Suzuki method where you yeah. have the the chip in the basket. You play the piece, you get it right. Yeah. Move the chip over. You're like Gordon yeah. Lightfoot. All he did when he evaluated if anyone was tuned to guitars and chain smoke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, and, and I had, I had guitars for different purposes. Like I had a guitar yeah. that was always in drop C. Okay. Or open C. And I had a guitar that was always in dad gad. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. And then, yeah, that makes sense because if you, if, yeah, because you tune it all the time like that, it needs to be used to being tuned like that. All Absolutely. The time. Like yeah. I have, I just gave a guitar away to a really, really close friend of mine, um, a 69 jumbo Yamaha acoustic, which oh. was in dad gad for 12 years. <laughs> Didn't come out of it, and the, it changes the structure of the yeah. guitar. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. I have this Norman, which is <coughs> a fairly cheap guitar back in the seventies, but it was my father-in-law's, and I obviously it's not matched. Nothing's matched on mm-hmm. it, but it sounds pretty good. It's tuned to D. It's yeah. a great sounding guitar. It's got a small crack here somewhere. Uh, it's just characteristic. Beat the shit. But it plays well. I've written a lot of songs on. It. Yeah, yeah, a lot of time. I just bought a Recording King Biscuit Dobro. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. For 150 bucks on an auction, <laughs> and it's and it's just got the shit kicked out of it. Yeah, brand new, but it's been beaten up. Yeah, but that's my office guitar now. I uh, see. So we had a we have at our venue we have one. And somebody dropped it off from a music store. It's like a smaller, and I fixed it, fixed it because it didn't play well. But uh, yeah, we have a we have a guitar standing oh, by. Absolutely need one. Yeah, at all times. So. What got you into tech? You obviously started tech, and you were theater tech, or were you? Were you? Uh... I started tech in high school. Yeah. Um, then I became. I was. I was actually an actor for yeah. years. Um, a company and I called Staged Right in Ottawa. We did kids shows. Okay. We would write the shows, design the sets, act, write, and then we'd take it on the road. Okay. And that's how we stayed alive for a while. Yeah. 
And then I just, I just started getting more tech gigs. I was working follow spot regularly yeah. in Ottawa and it was just, it just built up. I started a lighting designer and just did gigs, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and around 95 life just sort of got in the way and it's like, well, you know, shit or get off the pot. Are you can do this for real or not. Yeah. And a friend of mine suggested national theater school in oh, wow. Montreal. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll check it out. They only take seven students a year. So it's like, oh, maybe they're serious about it. <laughs> so I applied and got in and the rest is history. Yeah. You know? So you stayed as a, an actor for how, like? I was on, on and off. It was like five to five to ten years while I was doing tech. Yeah. Because I got out of high school in 90, and I got on the road with Jan Arden. Oh, yeah. That's her LD when she was opening for Moxie Fruvis. Oh, like, wow. Back when John was John. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> My big joke, you know, stole it off me, is Ramin Car- No, what's his name? Uh, the guy from 22 Minutes. Uh, Sean? Sean Majumdar. I, he's like, he got any good Gian jokes? I go, yeah, I haven't forgiven him for Moxie Fruvis. <laughs> <laughs> and he stole it and used it that Are night. You serious? Yeah, he stole my joke. That guy, we, we brought him into the LAC once, and I was uncomfortable with his show. Yeah, he was he's a little a, awkward. He's a little little racist. It was yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, a little what? crazy. Yeah. But I uh, I couldn't believe it. And then some one of our, our stage person, same thing, took her joke. Like, it was like, Either he's fishing for jokes or he's like thinking, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what compelled him to use both our jokes. Well, you know, it's like it's like playing someone else's riff. Yeah, that's true. You know, you, could be, you could be in the middle of a heavy blues jam and all of a sudden pull off, you know, yeah. Watchtower. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. So Jan Arden, she has always been a great person to work with and for yeah. and around. Yeah. And yeah. she's, you know, Deb Hutchins still works with her yeah. for years now yeah. and, and just a class act all the way. Completely. It was. It, it's interesting because this was like eighty. I want to say eighty. It was about ninety, eighty-nine or ninety when we when we did. Uh, I just did a brief. Just the beginning of her. A brief leg of the tour. Yeah. And uh, we brought her to LEC and whew, nothing. She didn't recognize me at all. Oh really? I was like, uh, oh. j- 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 really? Uh, okay. Oh wow! Did she have <laughs> yeah. her silly little dog? Oh god, yeah. That dog that yeah. looked like a little yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No, but but a class act all the way. Yeah. You know. Hold on a sec. I'm doing a podcast. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Jen. Jen. Uh, yeah, she. Well, because I mean, there's stories I hear about her as an artist, and yeah. it really is. It actually is pretty inspiring because people that have sort of like you, we know people. Yeah. Who yeah. have not have kind of made it, and they're the most angry, bitter, crazy. Yep. Yep. Um, shouldn't talk about the other. Um, kind of <laughs> evil. Maniacal, narcissistic, off their, off their rocker. Oh, just crazy. There, well, there's people like that. Then there's people who have a certain pre-show ritual, which can come across as arrogant. Yeah, but it's it's what they have to do to get into the show. Yeah, you yeah. Know, Sarah Sleen's like that. She's a dear heart, but she has the most weirdest opening <laughs> backstage. You know, really? Yeah, I think I don't know if it's an OCD, but but she's just it's just she's in Pickering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. Saw her at a, one of those Nathan Phillips Square outdoor Christmas winter things, lights festival of lights thing. Yeah, and uh, which I TD'd for a while. I became what was the one Sarah Sleen played during the day and fifty four forty headline during the night. Yeah, was there on a NASCO gig? It was cold as fuck. Yep, <laughs> and uh, Sarah Sleen played, and I was completely floored how good that show was. Oh my god. And I got uh, what was the one that she recorded uh, with Sweet Things and that one record, right. Book Smart, Street Stupid. It's her one she did with was it Rufus? I can't remember. Someone produced it. Okay. 
I can't remember who produced it. Right, right. But I was like, what? what is this? Why does this remind me of such great stuff? And she played live, and, and it was one of those things. It was cold. People were miserable. It was during the day. But she stepped up. And she completely yeah. turned the show into a show. Yeah, yeah. She's like, like that. Wow. The, the one thing I love about coming back to Harborfront is that the Ice House is her, that's her Christmas venue. Oh, really? She comes back because she loves the venue. Yeah, And yeah. it's such an intimate, beautiful little space. Harborfront Center Theater, as it's yeah, called. Yeah, but, um, But she comes in, and she just, she grabs that space. Yeah. She owns the space. Yeah, just her, the way she moves and plays piano and gets into the music, it's like. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. There's people out there that I was like, that, you know, you know, so you see, we see one side of the scope that it's like, people are just so easy to work with, and then there's people who are impossible to work with. Yeah. And I would almost guarantee that whoever knew the impossible people as people, they wouldn't be fans anymore. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And, and it's, fu- it's funny the, 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 the contrast that could happen because I, when, I, when we did, do you remember the Black Creek Summer Music Fest that yeah. one summer? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Excuse me. We had Barry Manilow in. And I didn't like him from the word go just because of his writer. I read the writer. <laughs> and it's like, must have pipe and drape tunnel from dressing room to stage. Doesn't want to see a single person. Yeah. And I sort of went, oh, you arrogant son of a, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then it rained that night. And it was a heavy, heavy, heavy rain. And backstage was our access for, for accessible seating, people in wheelchairs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it was so close and so humid. This one woman started hyperventilating. So I wheeled her into my office. And I sat there. And I was like, you're going to be okay. Just calm down. And Manilo is just outside the door. He's like, is she okay? Is everything all right? Is, it, is she okay? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, she's just, it's really human. He's like, oh my God, okay, hang on. And he looks at his, at his husband, who's his manager. He's like, sweetie, give me your water. And he walks in. Wow. And this woman starts triple hyperventilating <laughs> because <laughs> I guess she's, a big fan. she's getting first aid from Barry friggin' Manilo. <laughs> and it was, and you're not, he ends up being this wonderful guy. Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's true. Yeah, There's wonderful, people. wonderful man. Same thing we had with John Tesh. Right. John Tesh really? came through. He was great. Wow. We had a thing with that the very first interaction with the crew or with the tour or production manager mm-hmm. was really tense because I was they wanted the venue at two in the afternoon and we had a show up until four. Right. So listen, it's a piano and a bass. You know, we can load you in at five and have you on the stage by eight. Yeah. I think we can do that. And the guy was talking to the general manager saying, You need to tell your technical director that we need the <laughs> stage at two and this and this is blah 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 and I'm like, Holy fuck, this is gonna be harsh. So we were really tense about the, the turnover because yeah, we had yeah. a kid show that transitioned right into John right Tesh. Into we had the monitor rig built. And we wanted, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a piano and a bass, but we still had a monitor rig and we still had all this stuff. And, blah, blah, blah. and we're worried because like we're going to have a, we're going to have a shit storm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sweethearts. Total. All the way. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is, you know, so just turn one of those moments that you're like, oh my God, this is going to be bad. It's the way, it's, it's the way the game's played, right? Yeah. So, you know, Simon Clemma. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got such a great story about how he toured this opera singer who she's doing opera solos. And it's him and her in a van. Mm. And they show up to the Met. And it's just that attitude of, well, here's the here's the prima donna. Here's yes. the, and, and she walked in professionally. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I'll go to my dressing room. Mm-hmm. And they treated it like that. Nails it in the Met, you know, and all the crew are just like, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. And yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's great, great stories. Yeah. And then there's the other side. I mean, I was... We did a we did I did a show and it was I'm not I'm not afraid to say I'm not a big Matthew Good fan I'm not right. afraid yeah uh, even though he's coming to our venue <laughs> <laughs> there's another group coming to our venue that owe me money too by the way but uh, oh excellent <laughs> there the um we were doing it at Kings of Music Theater okay and it was Treble Charger Sloan and Matt Good okay 
and we're all back, you know, in Kingston backstage, they have that weird little pathway yeah. to get to the, where yeah. the band room is, which is the yeah. little building back there. The tour manager, we're all yeah. standing on the pathway having drinks, and his son's starting to go down, and the tour manager goes, hey, guys, get off the path. And we're like, what? <laughs> get off the path. And we're like, well, okay. So we're like, get off the path, and Matt Good walks by. Oh, and my buddy KC is like, this is stupid. <laughs> 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 it was ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, oh, really? You can't walk through the crowd of people? Oh, no. Not a big fan. Celine Dion's like that. Yeah. Doesn't want to see the crew before or after. No. Yep. Because imagine, imagine like a hockey dressing room full of IA technicians ready to rip a show down. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. Just yeah. because she doesn't want to see anybody. And it's the only show I've seen every crew member take the tour shirts off, the local crew shirts off, and throw them back at the tour manager. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? I've done that once. We did that for Aerosmith. Oh, really? Yeah. Aerosmith down at the amphitheater. Mm -hmm. It was hot, and they had the B stage. It was Kid Rock and Run DMC opening. And they had more trucks than gear. It seemed like every truck was like full of nonsense. Stuff. The B stage was built. It took all day to build it. Then Aerosmith came out during the show. I got the show call. Hot. You know, in the amphitheater in the grass section? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is hot Stankin all day. Hot. It's just, oh, all day. Two songs back down to the. So for all day, they came up and played two songs. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Oh, it was horrible. No way. Then they go all the way back. It takes them 20 minutes to get up here. Yeah. And then it takes them 20 minutes to get back down. And we got the stage half struck by the time they get down to play the rest of the set. So we're striking the stage. They have to lift the stage all the way down, oh, all the way to the trucks. Jesus. It was horrible. But the Aerosmith group, group like the band that came by and tried to high five everybody, we're yeah. like, everybody's just like, this is the worst day on earth. Yeah, whatever. The worst day. <laughs> no, God. Not good. But do you... um. So, so you 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 tacked. I mean, it's interesting you do that because I did the same thing. Like I did sound, but I played in a band. Yeah, because I wanted to stay close to the action. Absolutely, because yeah. was you know there was those guys that would get the normal job, and, and you wouldn't see them again because no, they'd be totally. like become it become it became easier. It's so hard. I mean, like to become a technician, become an actor, artist in general. It's really hard. It, it is. It is. But it also takes, as you know, it takes a certain amount of abstract thought and versatility. You know, I became a technician by being able to, to I think, like very much like you do with your 3D printing projects and all those ideas, mm -hmm. is you're able to merge the art with the tech. Yeah, yeah. There's not many of us out there who do that. And yes. it's one thing I am quite proud of is that uh, I can I can speak artist, as I yeah. say now to people. It's like, I, I can speak artist. What do you need to do? Like, right now I have a guy, our, our artist in residence, Sean Martindale. He's like, I need a, I need a 30-foot person lying on their side. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and yeah. we're going to take the AstroTurf that's beside where he's lying, and we're going to wrap it over him like it's his blanket. It's his comment on homelessness. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, yeah. okay. He's like, can, can, how do we do that? I'm like, just give me a second. I got a couple of people to call, and we can make this happen. Yeah. You know, I actually thought of you. I'm like, how much would it cost to 3D <laughs> print a 30 foot person? It's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But uh, that's, that's the one thing, that's the one kind of thing we do is, yeah. is we're able to bridge artist and tech. I always find mm -hmm. that, yeah, no, that's, that, I mean, it's interesting to say that too, but 3D printing is, has filled a lot of voids in my life. It yeah. changes a lot of things because I write songs, I played in bands, I don't play in bands as much. I do play in two bands, but we hardly play. Right. So to, to be able to keep your mind thinking art. Yeah, well, <laughs> abstractively. Artistic, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's easier to, to, to create something in your computer, but I, I think we were talking about this, but we haven't documented it. I, I always found it fascinating if you think something in your brain mm -hmm. and then you put it into a computer and then the computer tells that machine over there to make it. Yeah. That's witchery. That's it is you know what of, I mean? It like is kind of witchcraft, yeah. 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 And I printed a little cube. The first thing I printed and I'm like, 
I felt like I've reinvented the wheel. Totally. You know what I totally. mean? It was one of those. And it was funny because just the other day I found the the Motorhead War Pigs you printed me. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm still gonna get those on the bike. It's <laughs> gonna look so good. I have one above our stove. I because I was built a few test ones. So nice. <laughs> and I have one that's it's it's sitting above our um, embroidered marriage thing. I'll show it nice. in the kitchen. On nice. The there are so many things that I I think fast our theater where I work is fast becoming the place where all the 3D printing comes out of. Right. People are coming in going, oh, there's the mic stand that uh, you know people the words out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've yet to join C C I T T though. I've got to do that. Okay. Because I want to. You, you part of that? Uh, I was at LAC. At LAC. Yeah. So, what do you think? Worth it? I never really delved into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's great if you're into uh, discussing policy. And and that's one thing we don't have. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a good, really great resource. Yeah, which I didn't use that much. Okay, you know, uh, another a really good one is the oh god, it used to be called the SS SSTDs. It's you're gonna get into it because mm-hmm. now you're TDing at, at Richmond. It's yeah, it's, it's all the groups around. Yeah, I, I a little bit we with, during the Louis Anderson fiasco with the silly chair, we oh had to get the stupid god, chair. Oh my god, that chair! Yeah, we got one from Oakville because and. This whole thing, like mm-hmm. this was a thing, and I was like losing sleep over this goddamn <laughs> chair. Fucking chair, because <laughs> I, I went to go buy it, and it was back ordered, and it was like it'll be here like three days after the show. Oh god! And I'm, and this is a month before the gig, and I'm like, oh my god, what because the? everybody's trying to buy the goddamn chair. What was the story behind the freaking chair? I just heard about it because <laughs> just after I left LAC. So, so the people at uh, Kingston, the theater, the Grand Theater, yeah. uh, they were the ones. They were the main promoter. Okay. So then all the other venues like Oakville. Um, LAC, yeah. uh, somewhere out in, somewhere out by Chatham, in our theater, mm-hmm. we were all the groups, the five or six shows that were then. You made up the small tour. Yeah, made the tour. The Tim Hortons tour, <laughs> yeah. as I call it. Yeah, the armpit tour is yeah, what I like. exactly. So they wanted to have a chair specifically purchased that's one, and it's a specific chair. And I ordered, I looked at it, and it was on Amazon in America, and I didn't realize I was on Amazon America, <clears> and I was, oh, it's it's here, and it was like as I looked at the rider, like as I like six months ago, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, we can get this, no problem. And then a month <laughs> before, I realized like they're back ordered, so oh no. Shit. So this, I call the promoter, and they go, oh, you better talk to the producers or the the other side, the people. And I'm speaking to this one lady, and I'm going, hi, my name is so and so, and I want to talk about Louis Anderson's chair, and it's on the rider, and Everybody's having a tough time getting this. So is there any way, because we found one, is there any way that someone could take the chair in the limo, wherever Louie drives? <laughs> and, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to recreate the story again, is that oh. this chair needs to be purchased, and nobody can buy the chair. And I'm the first person to call you because I've talked to the other TDs who also can't find a chair. But there's Oakville bought theirs two months ago, and they have their chair. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. I don't. I'm not the right person to talk about this. Oh God. Okay, so I push it upstairs to my head of marketing and the yep. theater manager. Yeah. And it gets same person gets resolved. Oh my God. That they're talking to, saying we're not going to have this chair. Oh. And so I'm like freaking out, going, Oh my God, I should have <laughs> got it two months ago or six months when I looked at the rider and I felt like a total dork, like yep. idiot, like why did I do this? <laughs> the chair, the chair, the chair, and then finally the chair comes and you see the chair come through and back of this truck or whatever the and Louis a sweetheart, also a nice okay. nicest guy yeah. on earth. And I'm thinking, Oh my god, if Louis doesn't get his chair, he we he finds us five hundred dollars. Yeah, we that's that was the thing, yeah. Yeah. So like um, we might have to cough up five hundred dollars for Louis to stand for his show. And it turns out, and then so I left halfway through the first set or through the set, and 
he hadn't sat down yet. So I'm like, you tell me if that motherfucker sits down. If you don't, don't sit down, I'm Because <laughs> it was like, and I took pictures of the chair, and you know, there's yeah. posing with the chair. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's one of those things. It's like the brown M&M stuff, you know what I mean? Like those stories you hear. That was the, the brown M&M's was actually a really good idea. It's a good idea, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it, but at the same time, you're like, really? Yeah. Really? Well, it's, it's, it's funny. We did, I did I remember doing a show at Harborfront a few years back where it was just, you weren't sure if it was the New York arrogance or the nouveau lifestyle, but right. the props of the props buying list was my wife was the props buyer. Mm-hmm. And it was like vegan everything, <laughs> this certain type of jam, like ridiculous what they asked for. And it's and it was like a thousand dollar props buy. Yeah. Because these vegan pies were like forty bucks a piece. Uh. You know? I yeah, I have problems when there's people, you know, starving and we have all this decadence and yeah. it's like there's this gap between we're trying to make art and I've seen theater companies come in used tarp and made more exciting completely um visuals it's even worse on film yeah you know when they do that last that last of the night uh pizza buyout mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and i can't stand to sit there and watch 10 pizzas get thrown out yeah you know i always put them i used to strap them to the back of the motorcycle <laughs> and when i get downtown i just i just i'd go to the corner of queen and bathurst where yeah. where all the homeless guys hang out and it's pizza like boys here guys have a, have a buffet <laughs> you know i just couldn't live with myself it's it's the the waste in the film businesses yeah, yeah. Nuts. Did you ever? Did you do film at all? No, no, me no. neither. I was but, an extra. Yeah. I mean, I was an elect- I was an electrician, a carpenter and electrician on the movie Snake Eyes in Montreal. Yeah. You know, because they just ripped out all the seats from the forum, and they said we're going to shoot Snake Eyes in there, so we put all the seats back, <laughs> and then I became an electrician. Okay. And then an extra. If you right. look, if you look closely in one of the big scenes, there's me and a bunch of other guys just getting hammered. Oh really? We're, we're being paid as extras. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We did a few LAC uh, movie shoots that were, yeah, because I, I worked there from 97 to 2006. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we had Urban Legend 2. Oh, wow. And they had to, the RBC Theater has that mesh yep. grid that you could, spongy grid you could yep. walk on. Yep. They had to pull half of it up because they had a stunt guy fall through. Oh, yeah. And yeah, land yeah. on the, and that's, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty dangerous because it was, it was pretty compromised. Yeah, of course. They had to pull all the little points off at that one side and move yeah. it across. And then the guy had to sort of jump in there as a, yeah. Yeah. And that was the best Dan Durbridge lie <laughs> of lies. And Dan, you motherfucker, you got me. Cause he'd say, you could want to do an all night call, bring your pillow. I'm like, yeah, come in and sleep and get paid for it. Absolutely. Dan Durbridge. I would love to do that. Yeah. So I show up and the guys, all the, uh, all the, all the union guys are like, um, Okay, we're pulling uh, feeder. <laughs> and we're lifting feeder, oh, 28, no. 25 foot sections of feeder over our shoulder to get it upstairs. <sighs> and then, so we were the feeder guys. It was me and uh, Kevin, it was Chocho, me and Chocho oh, yeah, yeah. run. <laughs> Thanks, we're like, Dan. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, a pant load, Dan. Oh, my God. And then we got all the way up there, and then it's coffee break. <laughs> And they've already gone to Tim's and have the coffee for their crew. And we're like, oh, I guess we'll go get coffee. Oh, God. It was horrible. Oh, God. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. Dan Durbridge. <laughs> Actually, I remember when Chocho quit NASCO, he called Dan um, in my van as we were driving. He's like, he was just so angry. <laughs> and he went to the, he ended up working at the ACC. And he's like the, one of the riggers now. There, right. I think still, yeah. Yep. Great guy. Yeah, I, I think I've met him once or twice. Yeah. No, he's good. Yeah. 
because he did lights too, and he came into the RBC and he just stink like weed. Right, just stink like Lance. Yeah, and come in. And yeah, go, what's well, going on in here? You know, <laughs> Lance made that a cologne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a great Lance story with um, Ken McNeil when Ken McNeil was our uh, he's he was our um, head of audio and yep. TD for a while, and now he's at uh, he's over at uh, Niagara. Yes, he is. Niagara. Yeah, yeah. He came in and threw a bunch of Lance's stuff out. And Lance right. lost his mind. Yeah, yeah. It was like weird little pottery things that his son had made. And he turned it into this little portable shrine right. or something right. of stuff. And Ken came in, he had enough. And he's like, threw it all out. And Lance was, they were like, there was like some fisticuffs. Almost fisticuffs. Oh, oh yeah. Lordy. It could have been bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but the LEC was great. It was always good to me. Like, everybody was always really nice. And Victor was just such a sweet, Victor Svenningson is still the sweetheart. Yep. He is who I model my oh nice td-ness from yeah yeah because he just has he has it he does he does he has a really smart common sense like he like half half the stuff i took to harborfront mm-hmm. was the stuff victor taught me i was there for four years and victor taught me so much yeah you know and if, strangely enough he i'm in victor's original position at harborfront oh wow when he was in, yeah. yeah yeah that's right because he came to yeah. lc after and then Place Bob Mitchell and Bob Mitchell. Well, he went, yeah, he went from Harborfront to Strand as a salesman. Uh-huh. Sold LAC, the entire Strand kit, then jump shipped to LAC. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. he's doing, he's doing even really good now. I, was talk- I emailed him today, actually. Yeah, because he has some health issues and he's, he's, yeah, he's he did. coming out, he's pulling out of it. He, yeah, he's totally, totally clear of the cancer now, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, he's now got this, this FileMaker Pro database system for, Technical theater. Yeah. He built we, that for LAC, and now and I'm now like, he's customizing it for every other theater. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and at Harborfront, we have a system called Artifacts, which is it cannot do tech, or it's not that good of a mm-hmm. system because it's made in, I think, DOS 3 version. <laughs> so I'm talking to Victor about bringing the FileMaker in and yeah. setting us up. Well, we it. might need the same thing. Yeah. Because we use Google Calendar. We use Excel. We use mm-hmm. this. We use that. No, we I ha- should do- Check it out. It's a it's a fiasco. Yeah, you know what? I can send you I can send you the files of the old system. Oh yeah, just so you can check it out and try Absolutely. it out. Absolutely, yeah, doesn't yeah. work on Windows Ten. You have to go back a few, but does it work on Mac? No. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Yeah, I know. I know. I think. Well, I mean, this is obviously this is exciting podcasting stuff, but I want to. I want to. Yeah, I want to get more into an online turnkey solution, and I think because I wanted mm-hmm. to work on my phone i wanted to work on yep. everything and i want it to be mobile as well as totally efficient and i've been having conversations with people uh, how much time do you take doing x y and z right and they say well it's like four hours a month and you're like okay well if you could save an hour then the money you save you could put it into something that makes your life easier yeah so you do less time and you get you know you do more work yeah so i'm trying to push that through <laughs> it's, it's understandable i i prefer to stay away i try like i i, I folded like a cheap suit and finally put work email on my phone oh yeah and i'm now sort of regretting it mm-hmm. i need the distance yeah because harborfront got when, when they restructured there's three positions that went away a production manager two technical directors mm-hmm. and i took over all three yeah that's right and yeah. it's more it's all turning into more of a director of production situation than manager of technical production which is my title yeah and because of that i need to distance myself from the inbox because there's just so much, you know. And now I've installed my the smartest thing I've done in years: no meeting Mondays. People want meetings on Mondays. I no. Really? Yeah, because I just sit at my desk and get catch up as much just as get I get work done. Yeah, yeah. I have to because I've just sat in the seat and I, you know, I, I I just got it six months ago. 
So for me to prioritize life over work. Oh God. Is a, I. It's actually for me when it when I look at emails and I get twelve emails in like two hours. I look at the important ones and just save them as being unread. Yeah. yeah. And so then I'll okay, I'll deal with that. And that's I'll, yeah. I'll deal with that you know, and I won't because the big mistake you make is read it, forget to save it, and then it gets lost. Mark and is unread. Like, How do you even reply to my emails? I'm like, well, sorry. I yeah, don't. the two biggies. Mark is unread and put all the emails in conversation mode. Yes. That's lifesaver. Yeah, absolutely. Right there. And I'm starting to get into away boxes because somebody will email me in the morning and then email me at night and I won't be in that day and go, why aren't you getting back to me? I'm yeah. Like, well, because I'm away. I'm off yeah. work today. And I, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. When yeah. I when I first stepped in the role, my the guy I replaced, Graham actually put on the answer machine my personal cell phone number. Yeah. Saying, why don't you call this guy? Yeah. I'm like, really? Why are you giving thanks, him thanks, my pal. personal phone number? <laughs> so I get a phone call because I thought I first saw that. And I go, and I get to the phone system. It's just, I don't know how to work. I, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like the yeah, phone, yeah. like, well, how does this work? <laughs> so I, I thought I changed my incoming, the incoming message to be like, you've reached Simon Head. I'm interim. Yeah, yeah. You but I didn't, I didn't somehow change it. So it kept coming in. So it kept getting phone calls from people like, hi, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Like, yeah. who are, are you? you? What are yeah. you doing? So I had to, yeah, that's, I mean. The trials what? and tribulation of splitting work with your life, but at the same time, our kind of profession needs to have just 24/7. a little toe in the pool. Just yep, twenty four seven. Always just <clears throat> enough to go. Okay, I need to keep this flow going. I well, I I I, I jumped in the pool with both feet. Like mm-hmm. my personal cell phones on my business cards. Yeah, it's it's they they pay for my phone essentially right. type thing. You know, it's like done. You know, I can. I'm learning. I'm learning to do what I'm really bad at, which is ignoring people. Like I, I, I need to attend to something right away if I get the email. Yeah, but yeah. I'm did. really good at what I call what I call a bartender reaction. Mm-hmm. Like a bartender knows I you know want to drink. You're there. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's that. It's, you know. Yeah. But I have to be 24 seven with this really? gig. I yeah. have to be. Yeah. yeah. I want to. I want to be able to get all the work I need to get done during the day. Mm-hmm. And we're not. I'm not as busy as you, but we yeah. are busy. Like oh, we do 350 yeah. shows a year. Yeah, yeah. No, that's busy. Uh, that's, I mean, that's busy. <laughs> but it's not in different venues. It's yeah. Only two venues. Yeah. You. How many venues do you? We have five all all year round, and yeah. then that expands to seven for, yeah. the, for the 10 acres that Harborfront is. Yeah. And then we have another one down the road called the Music Garden, mm-hmm. which is twice a week. You know. And then we expand to little pop ups everywhere. How many How many crew do you got there? Uh presently running 25 to 30 that's amazing yeah i remember one one paycheck session where i was processing all the timesheets and i there was at least 50 if not 60 really yeah so your job is to is to schedule it uh the production we have we have, we have a um five five production coordinators yeah. basically pms yeah. and we, we create our own festivals okay the old the old setup used to be there was a different cultured festival for every weekend Mm-hmm. And that would be seven venues, ten venues, whatever, you know. And they take care of that. We take care of the tech. And I, I schedule the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, I do the tech advances, backline ordering, anything we need to do mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the entire the entire ten acres and all the venues. That's a lot of work. It's tons of work. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I've been tasked with building a new venue. Yeah. Because we have a we have a tent that we're moving. We have we have a little gig, great little gig called Dancing on the Pier which is big band stuff on the pier. Mm-hmm. So now we've got a 40 by 60 foot tent and I'm turning it into a 1930s art deco big band okay. hall. Wow. 
Thank you, AliExpress. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I just bought 1,500 feet of festoon lighting, which is light strings with the big balls. Yeah. Uh, eight power cans and four psych washes for, I think, maybe 2,600 bucks a minute. <laughs> it's all made of, Phil Clemo has a great word for it. It's all made of Chineseum. <laughs> Everything is made of Chineseum. That's amazing. Not a brand name to be found. No. Oh, we had this group come in with the beam moving lights. Oh, yeah? Just uh, the beam. <laughs> just beam. And they were, the 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 mounts were plastic. Oh, the pipe mounts. Yeah. And they were bigger than inch and a half. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I have steel. no idea what I'm going to get, but what a deal. It was this amazing thing because we're like, you can't put these in the sky. Yeah. No safeties. We, yeah. We couldn't find enough safeties to, oh, I'm like, and every time they moved, they were like moving on the pipe and yeah. like, we're not putting these in the air. Yeah. Sorry, this yeah. is not happening. <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna find a way to make it safe. We're gonna have a good time. Yeah. The only real, the only real thing I'm getting is I've I've found a website which does rock and roll bands banners. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Backdrops and stuff. So yeah. I'm doing a couple of Art Deco cheesy backdrop things. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna make them into oleos, so we're actually gonna lower them during the show type thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Fun and cheesy and great. Where Where do you sit with 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 tech? Like, so if somebody needs to like upgrade say they want to change like they want to get more like say get into virtual reality or get into something mm -hmm. with streaming and things like that do you does that fall into your absolutely yeah absolutely Me too a little bit it's 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 at harborfront it's kind of like okay you're in charge of the venue they want to do this mm -hmm. go really so yeah they just give make you it the, happen give you the yeah we have we have a great a great gig coming up uh the the art gallery behind us is called the power plant mm -hmm. and uh the historical value of, of of all this is significant the uh, you remember i called harborfront center theater uh the ice house mm -hmm. and well the your uh, at queen's key which is where the fleck dance theater is on the third floor mm -hmm. that used to be all um food storage okay before the for for the warehouses when chips would come in the ice house was the storage of the ice oh, to right, keep all yeah. that cold yeah yeah and the power plant behind it actually power powered all of that area that Amazing. 10 acres yeah, yeah and still does <laughs> yeah but uh but they they have a gig coming up called the powerball it's their fundraiser yeah. and it's pure artist because yeah. like they're they're handing it to me saying okay we're putting together uh construction shoots for garbage that people are going to slide down from the third balcony all the way to the stage really it's like okay make that happen i'm like okay so who's doing the rigging they're like well <laughs> they just yeah. look at me because they're artists and they, you know, yeah, you figured out it falls, it falls on to me. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. It is. That's cool. It's way cool. I, uh, you know, I'm cause I remember some Facebook, uh, updates from you back, like before <laughs> you moved over to Harborfront, I remember a few of them being a little bit, uh, upset or yeah. cranky, angry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so for you to move to the because you were were you at Harborfront originally? Too? I was at Harborfront. Yeah, I started in 03. Yeah, and then you moved over. Uh, where you moved around, around, around. And I then did. Eventually went back to Harborfront. Yeah. But it seemed like where you were, not saying where you were, but where you were seemed like, oh God. The LAC. I learned so much there, and I love the people there. But the corporate theater setup was killing my little artist soul. Yeah. Killing it. Crushing no. it to bits. Yeah. You know, and you can sit, you can only sit so many 16 hour days during dance competitions with, yep. you know, 6,000 kids tap dancing outside your office and, yep. and I get it every day. Day twoms being arrogant as hell and yeah. they think it's all about them. 
yep. there's just no decency amongst and it was mainly those dance comps that killed me like the corporates i liked because we could put on a slick show and sure. and the thing i liked about lac was was we'd get clients and didn't know how to put on a show mm-hmm. and that's where i get jazzed i'm like what do you want to do okay we could do this we could do this i show them the potential we make a big show happen mm-hmm. and they're happy yeah you know and the big corporates run london drugs is a great one you know, oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I, mean, I worked one of those yeah the the thing i noticed was because we didn't have a guy like you before me right so it was really tough to to try to when i first started the position i started talking about dinner and lunch breaks and people were like what look at me like i had three heads i know like, what do you what really <laughs> we don't take lunch breaks yeah and I understand with some dance comps, we can rotate because we're not That's operating it. most of the time. Yeah. But when it comes to a dance recital, people want to load in at like one in the afternoon. They want to go to like 11 o'clock at night yeah. with not having any stops. Yep. And I'm the guy that sort of, well, no, 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 no you, can't, re- you can't do that. It's the law. Yeah. Like we have this thing called the labor law. And if we break the law, yeah. then if someone crashes their car and there's documented that they worked for 12 hours without stopping. We're, it's my ass. Absolutely. You yeah. know. So yeah. people now are slowly, but because they got away with it for ten years, yeah, it's changing that, changing that. Like, and it's funny because um, where I presently work, that's that's almost internal. Like, breaks are a big issue, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore about. Sorry, no, no. If they don't get the break, they get the meal penalty. Yeah, and and people are like meal penalty. What are you talking about? We're buying them dinner. Yeah, <laughs> we're working these guys to the bone. You know. Yeah, yeah. I want to try and implement some things like that too. That allow to, to sort of soften the blow a little bit. Because that's what it's about. I think, you know, for me, I'm slightly, I'm pretty empathetic to the crew because I was one. Because we are, yeah. We are them. Absolutely. And we feel there's a certain type of uh, confidence that you're trying to instill that I have this. Yeah. Like I'm going to help you because I feel for you. But to go against that is very much like pissing in the wind. Like, yeah. You know? And to turn your back on something like that, like, there is a certain element, and this is, comes back to Victor Svenningson, about mm-hmm. the empathy about dealing with you as a person. You know, yeah, yeah. you're a person first, and now and now you work for the LAC. Or Absolutely, you, you, and, and that's you know that's something I've taken. Yeah, in 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 that practice as a technician or as a visiting house or a visiting sound guy to another venue, yeah. you always take these sort of like life lessons to go. Yeah, we need to get through this because. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, it's not rocket surgery. No. You know, but you're expected to step up to the plate. Absolutely. You know, and it's a mutual respect, especially between management and crew. Yeah. It's a mutual respect thing, which is so important. And a lot of a lot of it right now is is this mutual respect thing is coming out because we we basically don't want this place unionized. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're trying to we're trying to cater to that to a certain degree. Yeah. But first and foremost, we're doing a show. Yeah. It's not rocket surgery. Yeah. We're doing a show. Yeah. Yeah. And you that's know? always like, because I speak to my, the person above me, our general manager, and we have a lot of conversations about, okay, we're, we're a team. We yeah. have a team mentality. I like, you know, I was sort of somewhat corrected today because I go, the team. And the and mm-hmm. the, 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 the guy who, not, not my general manager, but someone said, it's your team. I go, no. It's, it's us. It's the team. Yeah. We're the team. You yeah. know what I mean? And, I, I want to take that because it it's very important to me that I Incredibly. don't separate myself from yeah what it takes to put on a show. Incredibly important. It's good you think that way, too, because not a lot of people do. It will happen, though. Oh, like yeah. Give it 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah. There will be a situation where I'll be 10 years older, and the crew I hire will be 30 years old. Yeah. You know, we did a thing today. It was uh, dealing with millennials. <laughs> it was a town of Richmond Hill. It was called Dealing with Millennials. 
What, and, like a uh, symposium or something? Yeah. What? Yeah, Human Resources put it on. And it was a Town of Richmond Hill thing. And I, I'm i not a, considered a full-time yeah. employee, but all the full-times got the, got the invite. And my loophole was is that, well, I'm a contracted guy. I'm not, I'm not the yeah, full-time yeah. guy. So I waited outside and I listened to them talk. And it was hilarious. Oh, my was like, God. I said, I should be the keynote speaker. <laughs> I deal with millennials all the time. <laughs> I, they're, they're clients. They, they're the crew. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest plan for millennials is I've, I've, for 1700 bucks, I can get certified as a laser tattoo removal technician. <laughs> and I want to open a company called Regret Me Not. <laughs> Because all of a sudden, these millennials are going to turn like 40 and go, yeah. how, how come I can't get a job? Yeah. Is, it, is it this bad tattoo on the side of my neck? People said that in you the know? 90s, though. There was I remember reading a comic where they show, it was like 2012 or something, and they show like people with nose rings and tattoos, yeah, yeah. and it's all sagging <laughs> and falling off. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the other thing, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with millennials. It's I, There are some millennials out there that you obviously go, okay, yeah. it's the life, there is a, a, a like, we, as kids, we're about the same age. Yeah. We had parents that implemented, and I always say this wrong, but I try to say it as, as genuinely as I possibly can. We had a little bit of shame. Totally. Put on us that made you regret decisions you made. Absolutely. You had this thing called um, uh, shame. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Absolutely. You were called out on stuff. Like, yeah. You, you were seriously, like, browbeaten publicly. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and, and children had a different uh, uh, approach. Like, and, and I, I feel that people who were maybe a little too far over the brow beating and the and, mm-hmm. and the and maybe abuse or verbal and made or mental abuse, yeah, would turn into parents but say, "I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to be, I'm going to be friends with my child. I'm going to be this. Yeah. I'm going to be yeah. that." And they overcompensated. That. That's a yeah. It's a great way to put Hence, it. It's a great way to put it. The millennial, yeah, the, that type of self-servant yeah. or self self entitlement entitled. It's an incredible. Millennial. It's an incredible. But thing. I've met some hard work and eyes open. We all we've met these people. Well, my my technical coordinator, Aaron Maloney, saying yeah, fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, we have people that kicks my butt. There's people that I've met. 50-year-old dudes who, when you got a road case, they just walk away and they don't even look at the heavy side and go, well, let me help you put that in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. And those are 50-year-olds. Yeah. Those are me. Those are our people. Yeah, exactly. So so we have, they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want, you know, but the dealing with millennials seminar was like, you gotta be kidding. That's, that's. They're um... like aliens. It's like, it's like when the alien race comes down, we're going to have symposiums about how to deal with aliens. Yeah. How do we deal with them? I don't know. Just don't look <laughs> them in the middle eye. Just, exactly. Just don't look them in that way. Exactly. Yeah. But the, um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, so you're happy? Very. Yeah. Very. My, like, I, I'm back to being an artist mm-hmm. in a technical format. See, that, you're a unicorn because a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people are either super arty super technical there's just tough being in the middle it is it is and it's it's something like i said i'm, I'm proud of and i, I really i love doing you're, you're like that we were just talking about the whole 3d printing thing is yeah. that it's bridging that gap and yeah. i'm doing that on a major managerial level now for a 10 acre seven venue place yeah. yeah you know which is and it's tough yeah it's tough and you and have it, a good support team with you too so i you... i do but I'm, but I'm driving the bus on a lot of it yeah you know like uh i got i finally got sponsorship for our outdoor stage mm-hmm so the deal we have is ridiculous, but we're finally bringing, we're, we're doing four sticks of 24 truss mm-hmm. LED wall movers, which 
harbor front's not used to because yeah. we're used to you know park ends that you literally focus with your boot yeah you know <laughs> yeah and we're, we're we're upgrading that stuff and going bigger and bigger and it's i'm more of like i just love the big art yeah i love doing big art and the way the way harbor front i'm so happy to say is moving that that towards that direction yeah you know it's just so and you've good. seen it you've seen it from like you started you started this and they trust you and that's a big thing too because when you come into that role and that trust you gain yeah. is is very important you know and the yeah. trust you have with the people above you and the trust that you know i i don't know i i feel like my job where when i meet now my new situation mm -hmm. i feel has probably put 10 years on my life because i'm not constantly afraid of yeah someone yeah. stabbing me in the back or worrying like whether or not whatever i do yeah. you know and you know there's and when I went from my old job to my new job, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's almost like a clean slate. Very, it very much is. It very all the much luggage is. you had at the old Completely. place can be left there. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel, and and it's, it, it might sound arrogant to say this, but I feel I was the right guy for the right time for that job. Yeah, because it is such a major restructure, and they're not just restructuring the physical plant; they're restructuring the thought and mm -hmm. the mandate. I think, and it's. It's so arts based and visual based, and I can't wait. And you yeah. have to trust the people below you. You have to trust the people above you. Yeah. And everybody, and it's in, in uh, what what I've try, you know, what I notice in managers is the ones that can kind of shield from the bullshit and not let it flow down. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel sorry for them because that's what the, the director is just above me because they. Mm -hmm. That's got to be stressful. They catch That's heat from be. the people above, yeah. but they need to be the filter and, and disseminate yeah. it into a conversation with people. See, the problem with my old job is that it would just keep on blowing on Completely, down. yeah. Shit rolls and, downhill, right? My 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 joke was, if the dean wanted us to wear rub like clown noses, mm -hmm. we'd be, be fitted for clown noses. Totally. We'd totally. walk around with clown noses all yeah. day long, and if you took it off, you'd be yeah. in trouble. But as far as the stuff rolling downhill is, is just hire smart. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the best thing I did was I hired this this chap, Aaron Maloney, mm -hmm. who's just whip smart and has whipped that one that three venues into place. Yeah, you know, and I'm so happy I got him there. You yeah. Know? So and I can trust everyone below me. Yeah. You know, I'm no I'm not gonna have any flakes because I hired them. Of course. You know, and it's like I need that I need that I need that solid base. Yeah. You know, because yeah. my my brain is split because like we, we were talking about this the other day and I realized yeah I'm probably doing five guys jobs at this point instead of three yeah you know yeah well how do they once i mean the problem is now you're doing it like how do you because i'm i got the same problem because my job is not just production but it's also facilities yeah so i got to worry about oh you building. got facilities too yeah oh wow so i got to worry about doors if they don't close right yeah or or yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know or if, a, if something leaks i have to but i i have a very good uh, facilities uh, operator great and and so i put a lot of work onto him yeah. and it's not his job title but He's the one going looking for cheap light bulbs. He's the well, one, totally, totally. you know, looking at things and making sure. And he's put a pride into his job because yeah. before he was afraid of the guy I worked. Now, are, are you are, are you the type of guy that that you have to wear everything? Because I'm like that. I'm 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 so like that. I like I have to have my finger in everything. See, I like and to... I'm learning to let it go. Yeah. And I learned that from Ray Salverda. Okay. Uh, on Black Creek. Yeah. Where he's like, at one point, he's like, Jesus Christ, you wear the show. Would you just let it go? <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, that was everything I needed to hear. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I do. So yeah. I'm, I'm now, uh, I'm doing really well with, 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 like, if I, like, the other day, perfect example that we had all that crap weather, and I walked into my theater, it was pitch black, and all I heard was rain. Mm. Turn on work lights, and it's raining on stage. Wow. Yeah, yeah, to the point where I filled a recycling bin about six inches. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, if it was meant getting like getting into the mix and helping with put transition the space around, I'm all about yeah. that part of it. I yeah. would love I love chipping in. But when it comes to um if someone's excited about making a project out of something, yeah, then I'm like, run with go, it. Go, go with, with it. it, let me know. And yeah. I would love to support this because if I have to think about things that are sort of outside of what I feel, totally. then I can come into it on a peripheral vision totally. rather than let me put my Oh know. no, no, exactly. I'll set up the parameters. Yeah. Be, you know? Yeah. But it's interesting because in the situation it's causing a little bit of conflict right now because I advance shows like I, I advance shows as soon as I can. So a good month to a month and a half out. Yeah. Yeah. And with that I book crew. Now I got two venues that are IATSE. Yeah. And I send them to our like to a month ahead of time. Mm-hmm. They work in in fifteen day increments. So they'll only book. They'll only post their bookings fifteen days ahead. Right, right. And they're they're coming back at me and whining, saying, saying, how come, like, like why can't you just give it to us two weeks before? Yeah, because like, I give my crew calls when I advance my shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you then know, it's done. You don't have to keep coming back to the same. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because I'm sort of going, well, you're you're you're, for lack of a better word, you're you're a small cog in a very big machine. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I'm sorry, but you're you're your union. I'm not going to cater to you. <laughs> no, that's true. That's <laughs> true. Know? I mean, we have a we have a QP agreement, which is nothing like yeah. But it's every all these like union models have the same, but QP would be the weakest of all unions. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, you know, well, it's a safe union. It's fairly safe. I yeah. mean, there's there's a conversation between management and QP that I feel is a lot more flowing, but dealing with with uh, IATSE, what feels like it's very because I went and did uh, I worked for three PA companies at the same time. Right. For a Lady Gaga thing, and right. that was at the um, Princess of Wales. Right. It seemed very oh, like that was a weird ass gig, wasn't it? Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the situation was like uh, we have we didn't get the consoles in time, so we have to bring them up from New York from this company. Ah, uh, we don't have enough in ear monitors, so let's get some from this company, that company, and that company, oh, no. and it all needs to sort of plug in with each other. Here you go. And the touring crew are doing a show at the ACC, yeah. and then they're going to come in and do a sound check. And they showed up, and the trucks were left at the stuck at the border with no consoles. Oh, so they no. came in at two in the hour, eleven, right? And I'm like, guys, I hate to tell you this, but boards aren't here yet. So they went back and did the gig, came back at midnight, oh, no. and left at four in the morning. Oh. So I had a 25 hour day. Oh, one day yeah. trying to like make everything work it came down to mics i think i was asking you about dpm mics. yeah DPM yeah. Mics. yeah 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 so i got these really nice uh what were they were i can't remember they were but they were piano mics and they were beautiful mics and they're like no they have to be dpm this is lady gaga we don't bend for nobody oh, i said well dude i hate to tell you this <laughs> but you're getting the earthworks right earthworks mics. you're right. getting these mics if you don't like them Sorry. 58 in the hole, pal. I give up. <laughs> You're no, I 58 in the hole. So they have this Yamaha avant-garde thing. Yes. Grand, I mean, avant-grand. Yeah. And it had a MIDI section and then it had a mic. So it played like a piano. It had keys yeah. as well as. Yeah, yeah. Guess what they didn't use? Oh, shut up. The mics. Are you kidding me? No. It was supposed to be a four-piece with a bass and a guitar player, Lady Gaga and a piano player. And it got paired down to the end with a piano and a voice. And there's a monitor desk, front house desk. Uh, all this drive, all this mics, all this oh, stuff. Man. So a MIDI piano and a voice. She came out, played <laughs> one song. There you go. <laughs> that's what it's all about, right? One song. That's what it's all about. Like, that's a power move. Yep. Of power moves. You can't you can't get any better than that. 
That's hilarious. And, you know, and for the winners of the respect. Yep. <laughs> that reminds me of that great story out of uh, out of Hollywood, where Madonna, Madonna was to play the uh, Academies. Yeah, yeah. And she's she was adamant on, I'm coming out of the floor on a trap, mm-hmm. and I'm going to walk down stage. And as I'm walking down stage, I need my microphone to come out of the floor, <laughs> come out of the stage, and stop just when I start the first note. They rehearsed it. They practiced it. They spent $50,000 building it. One technician, and he was up on the stage left cross, and he had his eyes on Madonna and her, and he did the whole thing by remote. Fell asleep at showtime. Oh! <laughs> so a technician comes running out on deck, hands her a wireless, and walks off stage. You're done. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Great moments in show business. Yeah. There's, <laughs> and and the, I actually had an amazing conversation with their monitor guy, and his name was Simon as well. Right. So we had a thing. So we start talking, and he's like, so what do you do? You know, where have you worked? He's from England, tours over the world with Lady Gaga. Yeah. And I said, uh, so is she fun to work with? He goes, no. No. <laughs> no, she's not. No, absolutely. And he worked for The Who during wow. the, like, the, the, for like the, in the 90s and into wow. the 2000s, sort of that part of the Who. Yeah. Um, he's not much older than me, but he was just this cool dude. And I, I was trying to get him on this show because I'm sure yeah. he has some great stories. Everyone's got road stories for yeah, sure. Yeah, for know? some reason they... Uh, their their production guy wasn't a big fan of me by the end of the huh. day and a half, well, but like whatever. But I uh, I had the you know great conversation with him because he was like talking about like just a mellow normal guy. Yeah, and everybody else is freaking out around him, and he's just like, eh, whatever it is, the show. Yep, we're gonna Those do. Those guys a show. are great, you know. I go, hey, how many mixes you doing over there at Lady Gaga land? He goes, too many, like yeah. too many mixes. He goes, sometimes there's two guys doing because there's a guy just doing lady gaga's monitors of course and then it's him doing the rest yeah james james brown was like that yeah two pms two pm one d's for <laughs> for front of house and two pm one d's for monitors yeah yeah yeah. just yeah. insane you remember the julio Iglesias story where uh he would fire monitor guys no and he would just fire guys like fired and then like the guy would they would rotate him back into the fold like a month later oh my god yeah so they forgot how many people he'd fire so by the end he's like can i fire you (laughs) 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 and there's the one guy wanted to put him on in-ear monitors right so he's got in-ear monitors in and and he's doing meets and greets with the old ladies before and he's got the in-ears he goes i didn't know you had hearing aids so from there he never wore in-ear monitors ever so he's oh. like, I'm. Not- <laughs> I was like, what's his name? Oh God, we had him. We had him through the LAC. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Older guy. Anyways, he uh, he was an older older entertainer, uh, and he uh, requests a wheelchair at the end of the gig to take him from stage to meet and greet. But obviously, it was a um, it was a it was a it was a. Uh, an ego thing because he showed up with a wheelchair. He's like, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, power move. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember we did an LAC. Engelbert gig. Humperdinck. Ah, yeah, that's yeah. who it is. Yeah, we did. I did an LAC gig and we had a Yamaha dropped off because it was an Oscar Peterson awards show. Right. And Oscar Peterson had shown up and he might play. Right. So they brought two. Right. So there was two Yamahas. It was a Yamaha guy, and we have Steinway. They had Steinway and Bozenro for there, and he's yeah. like, I'm not playing that shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they bring in two Yamahas. Uh, nine foot or eight foot or whatever they are, and uh, and have special their own tech coming into yep. him and everything. He didn't play enough. Now, I thought Oscar was a Bozy guy. A I guy. no, from what I hear, it was like Yamaha, and this was like two thousand and oh, okay, because because when they opened the LAC, yeah, um, 
he was he he requested the Bozy. Oh, okay. But unfortunately, somebody had the Yamaha had the Steinway tuned. Oh, so he had to play the Steinway. Oh, maybe <laughs> that's probably where all this went down because, because yeah. Um, yeah, there was two Yamahas standing by for him, and I remember I I was working the RBC theater, and he was just sitting in that green room, and he was yep. like, and he was just he's like, I'm not I'm not going out anyway. He was very very close to like sort of where just before he died, right? Just before. Right. Maybe a couple months before. Oh man! And it was his award Talk show. About a legend. Because he had the Oscar Peterson Award. Yeah. Gala. Yeah, yeah, blah, 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 yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. And he he came and was going to play and didn't play. Absolute legend, that guy. Yeah. Man, he does he does uh, like in '62 in Paris, he did an album, um, and he does Dizzy Gillespie's Con Alma, mm-hmm. and is the to me the version. I mean, Gillespie can't touch how good this is. Of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, know, it's, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. the guy is a monster. Yeah. Yeah. You know? We had a, I forget, I'm not even going to get in the story, but there's a guy who came in, who's an old jazz guy to York, and he played uh, he, he played our kawaii's. Right. He's like, feels like I'm in Japan. <laughs> 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 yeah. He's a big, tall, tall jazz piano player. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of those people come through. Like, this like the heavy cats. I love that. Yeah. 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 Kurt Elling came through my first year. Yeah, at LAC, and I don't know if you know him or not. He's just amazing. Like all the all the vocal jazz gods mm-hmm. handed the torch to him. Okay, his vocalese okay. is astounding. Mm-hmm. But uh, his guys and I, I just called his tour manager. I said, "Which what, what piano do you want?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "What's the choices?" And I tell him because at LAC they had the Steinway and the Bosey. Yeah, and we get a call back saying both. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I uh, I set up both. I had them both tuned, and his his player came in and just zip 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 zip. Sat on the Steinway, sat on the Bosey, called Kurt in, and they matched his voice to the piano. Wow. That's how cool that was. That's they went cool. with the Steinway, and it was just perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I we I remember we did uh, Michael Casehammer. Oh, Jesus. At the RBC Theater. That dude's insane. And we had these ramps made. Darren yeah. Tui made these ramps. Yeah, I saw. I know the ramps. And they're still behind the door. Yeah. Because like, I was there a couple of years ago, and I looked behind the door, they're and they're still there. They still don't get used. But the thing about <laughs> it was he built it a little bit wrong, because he should have built the middle one shorter. Yes. So we could take it out of the way. Absolutely. But he built the three of them the same, but we had to take the yeah. the pedals off to yeah. get it up the ramp. Absolutely. And we had to double skin the stage to put it up on, a, yep. on the box risers. Yep. But... Um, yeah, I, we made those for Michael Casehammer, nice. or he, Darren made them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A star, star. When it comes to, oh my god, he built our Marley cart. Like, oh, had, okay. Yeah, our dance floor cart. Yeah. yeah, same as the one you got. Same as the one we had. Yeah, well, I'm York. back. I'm back at Harborfront now, so everything gets stored vertically. Oh, really? Like dance floor is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I, I, when I saw that, like Sean Lego at LAC, yeah. him and I argued it for years. Really? Like you don't, you don't store dance floor on its side. You don't. Because eventually it starts to bow and put a smile. Yeah. And when you lay it out, that means it actually it actually waves from side to side. Yes. You know? And you get your little little uh, little bubbles in the middle. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's an interesting. Yeah. And I've got seven floors for one venue. Yeah. Right? So I think you were giving some away. We we're like looking at it. Was that a while ago? At one point, I think I might have been. Yeah. yeah. We we're like, we'll take it. And then it was many. already gone. It yeah. Was painted on one side. Oh, it was the 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 the, the basketball court. Yeah. We brought it in for a show from. Uh, Oh God! It was a contemporary dance company in Philadelphia, I think. Yeah. Years and years and years ago, just when I first started, yeah. and it was a it was a basically a quarter inch thick dance floor painted like a basketball court. And it was this contemporary, <laughs> contemporary basketball show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's I mean, Darren was the guy that built a lot of that stuff at the LAC, and a lot of the stuff he built was like it's still there. Yeah. It's still. Well, it's got lasting power. 
Yeah. The only good thing about that Marley cart on in Hammerson Hall and in, in RBC is that the, the thick cores were used. Yeah. You know, because that, that helped to keep its structure. Somebody somebody broke our crank, the toothbrush. So we had to repair it. Oh. But I made a drill bit version of it. Nice. Just not enough cranking. Nice. No, that's all right. <laughs> so, uh, well, anyways, just really wrap it up. It's okay. really good having you on the show, man. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I'm i going to get your uh, courtesy monitor made. That would be perfect. Thanks. And we'll go from there. And, uh, I'm glad we could finally do this. Yeah, We've absolutely. talked about it for months. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you did it, too. Cool. Cheers. That was Mr. Duncan Morgan on on uh, from Harborfront. And if you're ever at Harborfront, there's a bunch of theaters there, and he's the guy behind it all. He's the technical guy. He's he actually he kind of holds the same job as my new job. Um, the scoop is now. Actually, maybe it happened last. Maybe I announced it last week, but I am officially as of as of Monday, which is today. I'm the official technical director or production coordinator or whatever whatever that title is over at Richmond Hill. And uh, I'm very happy to have this job for two years and maybe more. And uh, yeah, moving up and on, onwards, up and over. Up. <laughs> Onwards and upward. Um, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Um, next, thanks for actually go to BetterHelp if you need some help. Go to betterhelp.com slash apolog, enter the code word apolog, and you will get a seven-day free trial. Um, thanks to my Patreons, patrons by going to patron, patreon.com slash apolog. I gotta go to sleep. I'm, it's late. It's getting late, and I'm gonna put this episode out, and I'm gonna tell everybody it's gonna be Tuesday when you get this. Right? Okay. It's coming out Monday. So if anybody listens to the show between uh, 10.30 p.m. and midnight on a Monday, the 23rd, and you can prove it, you send a picture of you listening to the episode, Epilogue Podcast by going to facebook.com slash Pod. I'll send you a t-shirt. Okay? So, all right. So that's good. That'll work, right? Okay. Weather. Okay, everybody. See you next week. Have a good night. Have a good weekend. Have a good day. Have a good life. Bye.